If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, welcome back to In The Pink with me, Natalie Pinkham and Bose, helping you stay connected through these very difficult times, these very uncertain times. It has never been more important to stay connected, keep talking, keep sharing and empathising, relating and just being human beings, keeping the conversation flowing. And I hope you've enjoyed the podcast so far, this series. Anthony Gogo's life story is incredible and he's still only 32. Can't believe how much he's been through and hopefully how much he's got to look forward to in his future. Sticking with the theme of boxing, my next guest is somebody who's been at Sky Sports for nearly three decades. He is one of the very best in the business. Adam Smith is the lead commentator, in fact, head of Sky Sports Boxing. And he explains to me how he started out in his career. So great to give some advice and tips to any aspiring commentators and broadcasters. He also talks about the importance of boxing and helping people out of difficult times. He looks ahead to AJ Fury, the fight that we are promised this year in 2021. And we just have an all-round great chat. And it's very uplifting talking to someone like Adam because he's a very positive person. And I hope you find his words inspiring today. So here he is, Adam Smith on In The Pink. Well, hello and how are you? Most importantly, are you coping with homeschooling? <laughs> I think that's the, that's the huge question on everyone's mind at the moment. I mean, the first thing, Natalie, is that we're, we're healthy and, and safe. And I think that's the most important thing. And it's just been such a traumatic year, hasn't it? And and I, I think that that's the only thing that, that matters at the minute that, you know, that we, we get out the other side, that we deal with with all the um, the things that have been thrown at us. And that, as I said, everybody tries to keep us as healthy and safe as possible. We all know people who have been affected by, you know, by the pandemic. Uh, and it's been terrible. Let's, you know, let's not, let's not mince our words. It's been a horrendous few months for everybody. Um, and, you know, very difficult working situation and obviously, you know, a, a different um, setup in, in people's homes, you know, uh, people are working obviously much more, the Zoom calls, the, and the homeschooling. I mean, look, first time around, it was a complete shambles. I mean, it was, you know, trying to get sort of, you know, my wife did so much of it, but it was, you know, we've got three different 
kids, three different personalities, three different schools, you know, three different ethics, three different ideas of what they should and shouldn't be doing. And, you know, they, um, that's what the teachers are there for. That's what the schools are there for. And, and uh, it was hard first time around this time around. I think it, you know, I think everyone's learned a bit. I think it's slightly more structured. He says is, you know, Tilly wanders around in her pajamas still and, you know, Chesame's in one room and Oscar's, you know, trying to, they're, they're, they're all, they're all getting on with it. And I think that's what we've got to do. We're trying to, you know, keep them physical as well, trying to get them out, you know, do the odd walk or run or something. It's difficult. They want to be with their mates. They want to be at school and, um, you know, and they need, especially the teenagers in the house, the two of them need, uh, you know, need real sort of tuition as well. So it's, it's tough, but um, yeah, Joe's doing a great job and, uh, and I try, I try and help out um, when I can and, um, you know, escape with, uh, with work stuff at other times. And there's well, a lot, there's a lot going on, isn't there? I, I spy a little man cave there. I think that this is exactly <laughs> where you escape to. You say, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, do some work. Yeah, there's no, there's to be honest, there's no real escape in, in, in our house with, with the five of us, but um, it's, it's normally sort of getting out literally for that sort of one bit of exercise a day and taking a little bit more time, maybe, and calling Eddie a lot and that sort of thing. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's uh, yeah, we, we're all trying to muck in. I think what I have found uh, over the last year is that. You know, I'm really useless at DIY. I'm pretty rubbish around the house generally. But what I have tried is cooking. And I, I, I could cook a few things, um, but I've, I, I opened my bakery in the sort of spring, summer last year. And I did, I went through Lorraine Pascal's sort of recipe books. I just found them up on the, on the shelf and I opened them up and I literally did every single cake under the sun, every pudding from lemon drizzle cake to chocolate mousse to, you know, Victoria sponges. I had, every, I had rainbow cake cakes going on and sort of every weekend I opened the, the, the bakery and each one of the kids did a different one with me and that was really good fun so so we did that and then everyone's now saying come on where the cakes again and I'm like I don't want to see another bag of flour another sugar whatever so I've tried to do a bit of the of the sort of savory cooking as well so you know I, I, don't know, I could, I've done a few things I'm, not, I'm no good but I, I I there's no one goes hungry it's there's always huge quantities you know sort of seeping out the floorboards and that sort of thing we can feed the road so uh, so yeah that's that's my sort of contribution but um yeah i'm pretty useless in that department i'm uh, i think i'm better in the sports world that's amazing though i mean do you, do you feel in a way that you can see the benefits to being able to be present for your kids reconnecting with them when you know normally you are flying all over the world you know we're always so busy with our work lives that you know i'm not saying you ever have ever neglected your kids but this is a chance to press the reset button to an extent isn't it you're absolutely right. Um, it's, you know, I think I'm a pretty positive, you know, glass sort of three quarters full type person. And, and I like to look at the sort of situation and say, oh, what can we get out of this? And I think, yeah, I think the, the closeness to the kids is important. I think they also need, you know, their space too. But, you know, you, you see them and, and all the devices and the technology now, and they want to be on their, their phones and their iPads, whatever. I, I think it's really important to sort of keep trying to get them around the table for dinners and, you know, go for, for little walks with them and things like that. And, and just, you know, be, yeah, be a dad, be a mum, be a parent. And you're right, you know, I've spent nearly 27 years at Sky and I've been all over the world and, you know, in, in the office and out on shoots and at meetings and whatever. So sometimes you get some really good quality time and, and other times you, you're a Away for a week or two it's just like you are with the formula one i mean it's it's crazy that the itinerary and i think that whether we ever go back to that sort of normal world where we all are sort of you know i don't know going to america six seven times a year or whether that'll all sort of calm down a bit i don't know there'll be 
a better balance, I think, going forwards. And I think that we've what we've learned is that, you know, that it's very important that you, know, you are around for your kids. You know, they grow so quickly. You know, I, yeah, five minutes ago, my my little my eldest was a baby and now she's nearly 15. You know, it's it's it goes like that. And I think that I'm really pleased this year that I've been around a bit more. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you miss those those parents evenings, those sports days. And I've tried to be around as much as possible and tried to sort of be you know, be there on the sort of really important days, whatever. And, and, and this is, there's, this feels like there's no real sort of set important days at the moment. It's more sort of just being around and, and just being there. And it's really weird, actually, if I, if I'm sort of, I don't go for a drive for a day or go for somewhere or whatever, or go and do something, especially when lockdown was over and we had that sort of freedom and we went back out again. And it was like, I was missing them actually. And I, I was getting in, you know, after a few hours away from them and they were like, where have you been? You know? So you know, it's become sort of the new norm, but it's a good balance. I've got a great boss and, and it's it's the understanding, I think, that there are pressures with the homeschooling, with the family environment, as well as with the working environment, which is totally different and totally strange. And we had this sort of four or five months at the end of 2020, which was like, you know, nothing we'd ever seen before work-wise. So that was a whole new, new learn, learning sort of education. And I think, look, I think this is going to go on for a number of weeks, even months, there are vaccines now we, we see a light at the end of the tunnel it's going to be a while before we get sort of you know crowds back or even sort of arenas stadiums of course it's going to be months I think but you know we'll look back at this period and, and hopefully we'll all have learned something but you know mentally and physically that's just so important for everybody's health I think and you know I've tried to do a little bit of, of running a little bit of time with the kids a bit of balance which I think maybe in our world it's it's hard to find sometimes so yeah that's that's the positives to take out of it the negatives obviously is seeing everybody suffer and ill and and that's just horrendous and you know that the quicker that's uh, that gets better and, and and the nhs have been incredible and you know once we we sort of don't know have a better situation with with more of the elderly and the the really at risk vaccinated then uh, obviously it's going to improve in the pink and bows want to support you in whatever way we can during these uncertain and constantly evolving times so we're giving away more noise-cancelling headphones to bring some added calm to your life. To win the headphones, just tag in the three friends you're most looking forward to reconnecting with once lockdown is fully lifted. Always include the hashtag Bose, and those headphones could be yours. Good luck and stay connected. Yeah. Let's talk a bit about those 27 years at Sky. <laughs> Cover them off in one podcast. Um, let's cast our mind right back to your childhood and when you first kind of caught the bug if you like what was it about pugilism that sort of caught your imagination and 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 essentially took you on a career path that is has spanned nearly three decades it's a strange one really I mean I wasn't necessarily just a boxing fan when I was a kid I was a massive sports fan I, I used to watch everything football big Liverpool fan as you can see cricket dart snooker the horse racing the Formula One the tennis is a, is a big passion of mine you, you name it I, I, I watched it when I was a kid and I still do that's my real love it's a passion of sport, and you know a, I, I I sort of tripped into boxing. I mean, I think I probably wanted to be a football commentator first of all, or, or a racing commentator. My my um, my late grandfather, his best friend was a, a, 
a guy called Peter Bromley, who's a wonderful horse racing commentator. And I went to, I was lucky enough to go into his uh, commentary booth at Ascot one time. And he had these big field binoculars. I was about 12 or 13. And, you know, I couldn't believe he was sort of calling these 25 horses that, you know, and he, he had he had sort of one little sheet to look at. And then he was just on the field binoculars. It was wonderful. And it just, that was a big inspiration. But I think, you know, even earlier than that, sort of, I remember like maybe 10, 11, I was, I was turning the TV down and, and, and commentating or doing my own sort of reports on the little dictaphones before my voice had broken and you know i drive my parents mad you know we just yeah you know, just continuous chat just talking talking <laughs> talking about sport i can still remember doing the 1983 grand national you know, corbier on the far side here comes grease paint hello dandy between horses and they're coming to the elbow and all of that and and i did that before my voice had broken so it was like that's how long i wanted to do it um and i i went through i went through i was I was educated in, in, a, in a very lucky in a, in a big private school, St. Paul's, really good school. Um, and they all went off to, you know, George Osborne was in my year. They went off to sort of, you know, run the country or, you know, become captains of industry. And I think I was the only person there who wanted to be a TV commentator. And, you know, I remember going around the careers fairs and there was accountancy and, you know, and, and medical you know, medicine stuff and law and all this. I was just thinking, I don't want any of this. I want to be on TV and I want to do TV sport. And then I thought, well, maybe that's not right. And I did a lot of drama and I thought maybe I should act and I wasn't very good at it. So I didn't know. I did theatre studies at, at university and, but you know, they, it was like people were pushing me to go into sort of maybe retail or whatever. My father had been in retail and, and has been all his life. So, but I was like, no, I, I want to do this. And um, I, I ended up going, I would, I had a, between school and university, I had a, a gap year and I worked at TVAM and I was just, I was a copy runner through the night and I sort of just handed scripts to Mike Morris, Richard Keyes, Lorraine Kelly, Ulrika Johnson and you know, I did that for a while. Then I was going to go back as a graduate trainee, but TVAM lost their franchise to GMTV. So I ended up after university thinking, what am I going to do? And I went out to Washington uh, through a contact and I, I worked at CNN. Uh, in Washington for a few months as an intern in the political department. I did cross, I worked on the Crossfire show, which was the Democrats and the Republicans. So I really got into sort of the, the news. And then that took me back to London to uh, NBC, ironically, and then ITN. And I worked on the home news desk at ITN for a few months. And I was sort of passionate about news. It was the, there was all sorts happening. Um, the Labour leader, John Smith, died. That was a huge story. The Mullochintyre helicopter crash when I was on, on, the, on the desk. There was all sorts of dramas that you sort of had to, you know, my good friend Terry Lloyd, unfortunately, got killed out in, um, in the crossfire in the Gulf War. And I was like, there was so much that was happening. It, Dave Kane, my, my cameraman then, became my cameraman at Sky many years later. But it was like, I made some really good contacts in the news world. And I thought, maybe this is my future. But I just thought there was something niggling at me saying, I've got to keep the sport going. And at that point, I was, as I said, a huge sports fan of everything. Boxing had, had become a, a big passion of mine. Um, I I fell in love with that, I think, with Hagler Hearns. Um, I cried. I loved I loved Tommy Hearns, and I cried when he lost to Hagler. I was about 13. And at the same time, I also really admired Barry McGuigan. And I sneaked into his world title fight at Loftus Road against Eusebio Pedroza. So I was about 13. And I just thought, oh, I thought Barry was unbelievable. The whole thing, United Ireland and the fans and the passion. I just, I just really enjoyed it. I just thought absolutely fantastic. And so I sort of hooked into boxing, but it was one of many things. And then I applied to into sports television. I, I was lucky enough that, that Vic Wakeling took me on at Sky Sports as a junior. And he said to me in the interview, and he interviewed me, and he said, he said, what do you really like? And I said, well, 
you know, I don't know. So I have a listen to some of these things. So I have my dictaphone or my tapes, my old commentaries. I said, well, this is how long I've wanted to commentate. So I'd like to commentate. And I said, he said, well, what, you know, what sports? I said, well, I like all sports. I said, one of them is, is, is boxing. And I told him the story about when I was at CNN, I went to work in Evander Holyfield's camp and uh, went to the Riddick Bow fight. And it was the second fight in Vegas. They had a great first fight. And the second fight in Vegas was, 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 it was outdoors at Caesar's Palace. And it was, it was known because... Um, some lunatic came in on a sort of propeller. Uh, he was called the Fan Man. Look back at the tapes. He crashed into just around ringside, and it was just a madman. I mean, I think he ended up on back at Buckingham Palace a week later or something. And then, I mean, he was a crazy guy. Anyway, he, he I just thought this is mad. And we sit, we're sitting there, and this this thing came over our heads, and it smashed into you know just the the canopy at ringside, and um, the whole fight was held up. So. And the fight then changed because Holyfield was fitter and came on down the stretch. I thought, this is mad. This is like this is like a theater. Like this whole sort of sport is crazy. And I thought, I like this. You know, it's, it's my love of theater and it's my love of sport and it's my love of unpredictability. And and then it's like this, it's so confusing as well. So many belts, so many titles, so many this, so many that. And it's like, I just, I don't know, I just sort of loved it um and then so I said to Vic and he said right go and work in the boxing team and at that point it was Gary Norman was presenting and producing it was just a one-man show and uh, and I went and helped him out and you know the rest as they say is history and Barry McGuigan ironically my two real heroes when I was growing up apart from the, all the Liverpool players like Kenny Dalgleish and when I got to work with Kelly that was like oh my god um but when but but my real heroes were David Gower the cricketer and Barry McGuigan and I worked on the boxing and I also worked on a show called One to One. And uh, the producer, Neil Alton, said to me, um, the first guy I want to get, I want you to call is, is David Gower. And here's his number. So like within the first couple of weeks of Sky, I was like calling my hero up going, uh, is David there, please? Uh, yes, yeah, speaking. Ha, ha, hi. It's, uh, it's Adam, Adam Smith. I work at Sky. Adam, how are you? Nice to speak to you. And I'm like, oh, my God, this isn't happening. And I've still got that. Whenever I see David around, it's just like, I've still got actually on, on my wall a, a, a massive sort of tribute to him. And the other hero was Barry McGuigan. And a year into Sky, Barry signed this big deal. He was going to come and be our analyst. And my job was to take him around the UK to different gyms for a year and produce him doing pieces. I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. So I was just, I was a sports fan. I was rubbish at all sports. I mean, really bad, but I'm really good at watching them. And I think that's what I always wanted to do. And I still do, you know, I've got the cricket on, I've got the tennis on, I, you know, the darts, whatever it is. So I say boxing is my business and I love it. And I love the, 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 the whole drama of it. But I do love sport across the field as just something that is just in me. And, you know, long may that continue. Well, it will always continue. I mean, I have to say the ability to commentate on live sport is almost beyond me. When I hear you or Crofty, or there's a, there a number of uh, commentators, I think Formula One's must be so difficult to commentate on, particularly that all the helmet designs are changing all the time just to try and keep track of who's who. Um, but the energy that you give it and the, able, the way you're able to bring that sport alive and act as the conduit between the sporting event and the fans, you, you're, you're doing something that I think very few can do. There are obviously plenty that want to do it, though. And I feel at the moment that 
it's a particularly tough time for young people who are trying to break in. I mean, obviously, it's a very different world now to 27, 30 years ago. Have you got advice for aspiring commentators, knowing the current climate as you do, but also uh, boxing and indeed all sports at Sky and, and other broadcasters? Absolutely. And I agree with you with Crofty. You know, I, I actually met him properly up at the darts uh, at the at the palace. And it was it's funny. He absolutely adores the arrows. And so, oh, do yeah. I. And, and he's been doing it for quite a, quite a long time. And it was my first sort of stint helping out. And so I was the new boy and which is a bit weird because I've been at Sky for so long. But, you know, and I was working was great with Wayne Mardle and John Part and Mark Webster and Laura Turner and all these 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 great names. And. But, you know, Crofty and I were just like, it's so mad, isn't it, that I've come from the Formula One world, which is totally different to darts. You come from the boxing world and we sort of meet in here. And I think commentary, yeah, it's about storytelling. And I think it's about it's about a lot of it's a lot of preparation. It's a lot of um, work. It's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that enable you to pick up that mic in the first place and I, i'm i'm absolutely a, a stickler for you know for that for that sort of you know you have to be totally on top of you know knowledge wise you have to sort of you know really work hard before you get anywhere near the event you know there's a lot of things you can do you can call people up you can obviously now with the social world as it is the internet and everything there's so much you can you know research you can do so I think that's really important. But I think probably the one thing that you need more than anything is passion. And that's that's what I feel. I mean, I've heard a lot of great commentators uh, over the years. You know, my I guess my idol and my my sort of hero within Sky going through the years was Ian Dark. You know, we're still very close. I still think he's the, the greatest commentator that we've had over the last 20, 30 years. And, you know, he was a, a football commentator. He was on the radio. He was on a, he was a, he was a brilliant boxing commentator. He his light and shade, his levels, his delivery, you know, phenomenal. And he taught me so much working alongside with him and Glenn McCrory and Jim Watt and Bob Mee, our, our, our terrific historian and statistician, you know, sort of traveling the world with those guys as a junior reporter, as a, as a young sort of aspiring commentator was brilliant. Because of course, as I said, I wanted to be a commentator from when I was a kid. So that's all I wanted to do. And I, when I walked into Sky and Vic Wakely and Mark Sharman said, oh, it's going to take you 10 years to be a commentator. And I said, I'll do it in five. And I wanted to make sure that, that that's what I ended up doing um, because I wanted to do it. And I think that so many people now, you know, I look at my kids and think, what are they going to become? They, they're going to become what they want to become, what's in there, right? I don't care if, if, they, if they want to become, you know, they, they want to help out charities, they want to work for the, for the NHS, they want to work in TV, they want to work in banking, they want to, you know, work in a coffee shop, they want to, whatever they want to do, they, whatever they want to do, it's got to be in here. And I think that's that's the important thing. It's got to be inside you because you and I have been lucky enough to do something that we absolutely love day in, day out. And when there's tough times, like with a pandemic, you know, we, we are. We just it, and I, I remember walking to Madison Square Garden and doing my first unified world title fight between Ibrahimov and Klitschko. And I remember thinking it wasn't a great fight, actually. But I remember thinking I'm going to the mecca of world boxing for the unified heavyweight title. And you know what? If this all ends tomorrow and I fall down a hole or someone taps me on the shoulder and says, Ads, 
that's it, you're done. I will be so grateful and so thankful to the people that have given me these opportunities. Listen, my advice to the kids, and I'm passionate about children, about, about mentoring young talent. You know, I work very closely with the Sky Scholarship System. You know, I've, I've taken Savannah Marshall through, Daniel Altmaier, I'm very close to Emily Appleton, to Imani Lancicott, to Joe Fraser, to all the sort of current crop of scholars. I love mentoring. I love helping out. And I think that that's, I'm in a stage now where that experience, you know, is important for them. I think that, and my key is if somebody comes to me and says, I really want to be a sports commentator, I'm all over it. I'm like, I want to speak to you. I want to know why I want to, you know, if they come to me and say, Oh, can you get me into sky? I sort of say, well, what do you want to do? Or if they come to me and say, I really want to be a commentator. I am listen, that's what I wanted to be. That's what I, that's what my dream was. I didn't care about making money. I didn't care about, you know, being in the city, wearing suits, all that sort of stuff. I, I didn't. Actually, I wore suits at Sky a lot, but I, but, but that, but that was because I just wanted to be smart at work. And I think I just was so lucky to get into Sky Sports at a time where there was 45 people in Sky Sports, you know, 1994 when I walked in and we could all go into the edit suites and start voicing pieces and start reporting pretty quickly because there weren't that many of us. And I think it is harder now, but I think the same um, ethos, the same ethics are there that if you are dedicated and you're passionate and you really want to do it, you will do it. It will work for you. And it may not be in commentary. It could be in presenting. It could be that you want to, you think about, you think you're going to be a presenter and actually you end up being a, a really high skilled producer or you, you, you end up a, a director of a sport or something. That's your path. Or you end up becoming a vision mixer or you end up becoming, you know, a, a great PA or whatever it is. But I think that if you really want to do it, absolutely, you've got to knock down doors. I mean, when I was at ITN and I was in a job at ITN, freelancer, but I was in a job and I wanted to get into sports TV, I, I'm telling you, and my stepmom will vouch for this, you know, my mum's a mad sports fan, my stepmom not so, but my stepmom's a, a really great businesswoman. And she said, you have got to keep breaking the barriers you've got to keep knocking no one's going to just take you on and I, I i must have written four five hundred letters you know some of them with tapes some of them with all those old sort of dictaphone tapes and begging people and that was hundreds of rejections and then you know a few people said well nothing around but coming for a chat and, and those people i'll never forget you know those people that it was at radio two or radio five at the time one at channel four one at london sports network these people that couldn't give me a job but they kept me going and one of them eventually said oh have you tried vic wakeling at sky and i was like I didn't really know much about Sky Sports. I think I'd written a letter, but I got a general. And I sort of followed that up and that got me a, a lead and in. So I think if you want to do it badly enough, you can do it and you should. But it is, it's, it's, there's got to be passion. There's so got true. to be passion. So true. And no one's ever going to criticise you for banging on their door. Oh, that irritating kid. Just go. No, hang on a minute. I'm asking you to do something because I'm passionate about it. No one can ever criticise you for that. Um, actually, I want to sort of widen that point about sport um, being a vehicle for social change. I know that you are really passionate about this as well. You've been incredible support to me with Hope and Homes for Children. I know that um, philanthropic projects really interest you and you, you give a lot of your time to it. But can we just talk specifically about boxing now and, and, and the way that boxing can transform lives and you know from your own experience you know I've trained down at Fitzroy Lodge and I see kids in there who would otherwise be 
out on the streets, you know, potentially getting into trouble um, and, you know, going down the wrong path in life. I think that's been one of my biggest um, concerns through this pandemic is really where are those kids now when these gyms have shut? Um, what has been your experience of this and why do you think boxing in particular just manages to do that in a way that even some other sports don't? I think that's a brilliant question and I think that's a really important um, area at this time. Um, and whether it's boxing or whether it's just general sport and keeping fit, it's obviously that that health element too. And it's it's really difficult when you've got kids who want to go and play football or who want to go and play tennis or gymnastics or whatever your chosen you know, love or interest is. And, and, and they can't really do that at the moment. And that's really hard. And you, you hope that they're going to get that bug back as soon as they can, you know, physically go because it's really, you know, that you don't want them sort of just... I don't, losing themselves on their devices the whole time. There's got to be a balance. Um, boxing is crucial to this. You know, boxing is fundamentally a, it's a dangerous sport. Let's not, let's not, you know, Formula One's a dangerous sport. Rugby is, there's loads of others, but, you know, boxing is a dangerous sport. You know, I've, um, I was showing to you earlier a, 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 a thing that I've got a, on my wall. It's a, uh, it's, it's a reminder to me about, the, se the severity of boxing, but also the, the beauty of it as well. I, my book, Beautiful Brutality, that I wrote years ago is exactly that. That's what it is. It can be so incredible, a sport to watch, to witness, to be involved in. You know, the fighters themselves, the purest, the nicest, the most accessible sportsmen and women you'll ever get to. I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm close to Katie, to AJ, to Tyson Fury, whoever it is, whichever divide, whichever, you know, promotional, you know, they're under, it doesn't matter. Fighters are a breed and, and they are just so dedicated as sportsmen and women, the elite ones. And they're just a shiny example, really. And you get different characters and you get ones that have come from different backgrounds, broken homes, you know, all sorts. And, you know, boxing has given them structure, discipline, dedication, a, a, a way off the streets. It's, you know, great stories. Richard Riappor from gang gang life to absolutely focused now. You know, they take John Harding Jr., take these guys, you know, I mean, these crazy guys we've worked with over the years, the Johnny Tappies, the Michael Gomez's that they, these these guys have just you know they they've had boxing has just kept them on the straight and narrow so it's a hugely important thing for fitness as well whether it's boxer size keep fit you know i like doing the pads you know once a week or, or once every couple of weeks just to sort of you know just it's good fitness but it's also you know it just it controls your aggression it controls that sort of you know oh, i'm really annoyed about something but actually instead of doing that put your phones down and just you know get the gloves on and go on the pads because it's good it's a great workout and actually you know you feel so much better for it you don't have to, i wouldn't want to get hit back but you know there's there's, there's the brave people out there that, that do but it doesn't have to be that so you can you, you know you can take boxing as, as a fitness as well as something that leads to competition but you know but this thing on my wall it's like you know that it's it's serious you know there's something that joe fraser wrote boxing's the only sport you can get your brain shook your money took and your name in the undertaker book you know that is that is the reality of it you know the same hand that can write a beautiful poem can knock you out with one punch that's called poetic justice some brilliant stuff you know this one here to me boxing is like ballet except there's no music no choreography and the dancers hit each other you know <laughs> paul trusker used to get on the mic after his fights up in middlesbrough and say kids Get off the streets. Forget the drugs. It doesn't matter if you do boxing or ballet. It doesn't matter what you do. Just get off and try and do something which is which is is good for you. You know, here again, if you screw things up in tennis, it's fifteen love. If you screw up in boxing, it's your ass. I mean, that's the key. It's it's not you don't play at boxing, 
And I think Does that... Does that trouble you, though? You know, the, the, the brutality of it, you know, the potential downsides. Does, does it trouble you at all? I like to say I'm a lover, not a fighter, mm. Natalie. I'm not, I'm not a, uh, I'm a, you know, I'll run away from a situation rather than run into it. And, and I think that I always try and, you know, if there's a situation that's, that's brewing, I try and, you know, like to calm. So for me, it's really strange seeing someone hurt or someone injured or whatever. And I think the way that I deal with it is that this is what they want to do. It's like I Spencer Oliver's a prime example of that. I've known him for 20, like Johnny, 25, 30 years. And, and Spencer, I knew when he was a kid and, and all he wanted to do was become a world champion. And, his, and he had his career cut short. And every day since then, 22 to what is he, mid 40s now, every day he still says, I would do it all again and twice on Sundays. It's in you. And I think that there's some people who want to be a commentator. There's some people who want to be a doctor and there's some people who want to be a fighter. Katie Taylor's wanted to be a fighter since she was 11 years old. She used to dress up as a boy. They wouldn't allow it in, in amateur Irish boxing. You know, she was Kay Taylor. She had her hair up underneath the helmet, all of that sort of stuff. So she, you know, she was an inspiration. And that's why, and you ask her now even, what are you going to do after boxing? No, I'm boxing. This is what I'm doing. I'm going to, you know, be the greatest that's ever laced them up. And, I think it's that burning desire and it goes back to passion again. If you really want to do something, that's what you should do. But going back to your sort of overriding question about the kids and, and, and the fact is it's very difficult. You know, the gyms are shut, the amateur clubs, the grassroots, you know, we didn't get help from the government uh, with money, which I, I felt was really bad. And, and it's, it's really good that Anthony Joshua has come out and said, he's going to give a load of money to not just to Finchley, to his own club, but to amateur clubs in general, because the amateur and the grassroots is where it all is at. And of course, at the moment, elite sport can carry on and that's great for, for us that's great for the the viewers that's great for some entertainment during these difficult difficult times and obviously it's great for the sportsmen and women taking part but don't forget there's a lot of young out there there's a lot of would-be there's a lot of sort of small hall fighters you can't get out because these shows can't can't go on because there's no crowds and that's how they you know that's how they need their gate money and you know it's amazing that eddie's managed and frank and and, and everyone in the states and Bob and PBC and everyone have managed to get fighting on without gates. That's incredible at that sort of level with it, with the money that's, you know, normally on the table, but even at the sort of, you know, the, the 500 people or thousand people at your call or at a, you know, a leisure center up in, in, in Altrincham or, you know, down in Portsmouth, you know, these, these are the grassroots. This is the, the sort of the life, lifeblood of the sport always has been. And I think that it's really important that we keep that, keep talking about it, even if we can't do too much at the moment, so that when we do get back to as normal a situation as we can, we haven't forgotten that. And hopefully those kids who have been inspired by the, the Anthony Joshua's, by the Katie Taylor's, by the Savannah Marshall's, by the... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Tyson Fury's, what a story Tyson Fury is, the way he's come back from his, you know, his problems. And just, you know, you get that in boxing. You know, you know that, I know that. You get these, these incredible stories, these phenomenal characters who have gone through a lot of, a lot of bad stuff. And I think it's normal. We, we all go through difficulties every day. And I think a lot of the fighters are prepared to talk about that. And I think that's what's really great. I think that's why people have gravitated towards Tyson Fury or Anthony Joshua through his difficulties as a kid. And he's come out and now, you know, he, he has so much respect for, for other people because of that. And I think that, you know, they are they are heroes to, to, to the kids. And what happened in 2012 in London, you know, led us towards Frotch Groves with 80,000 at Wembley. Mayweather Pacquiao was made women's boxing in it got you know it's boom time for women's boxing and some of the big best fights have been made and I think that now boxing's in a great place you know we hope that Joshua and Fury meet in, in 2021 that will be a real pinnacle for us and I think it will be fantastic if that happens at a time when the gyms are reopen and the kids can then sort of get inspired again so I think yeah it's really important as a sport for not just for for kids who are, who are in trouble on the streets or who are thinking of going the wrong way or whatever, but for everybody, you know, it's a great fitness, and I think that it's um it, it's something that you know you can you can it can improve you mentally and physically boxing. So you don't have to get hit if you want to go down that route. That's up to you. That's your choice, and it's if you've got that passion, you go for it. But if you haven't and you just want to be you know a a, a fit human being a fit you know young adult great that's brilliant boxing can can work as well but specifically what is it about boxing that can teach discipline Mm -hmm. um i think that it is i think there's a number of things firstly um a gym uh builds camaraderie a team spirit i think that's really important you know in all of our uh works jobs parts of sky we 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 are we are teams no one and i think that's the great thing about sky is that there's no one standout person you know you're only as good as the team that's around you and and the team is what's important so i think when you're in a gym whether it's you know fitzroy lodge or repton a top club or whether it's one of the smaller ones you've got you know you've got buddies and i think buddies are really important at the moment when you can't actually have that physical time with your friends 
you know, you've got to reach out to people. And I think that people will strive for that as soon as this pandemic is sort of through, getting that sort of, you know, unity back, getting that sort of, you know, the, the club, you know, spirit. And I think that's really important that you'll be working with others towards a goal, fighters at different weights, you know, or look at Team GB, you know, going to Tokyo, you know, they're, or the Irish team. It's fantastic, that sort of camaraderie. But that's one thing. But I think also it teaches you that you're going to get setbacks and you've got to work through them. Um, so you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. Um, it's going to get you fitter. It's going to get you um, feeling better about yourself. Um, and it's tough and it's discipline and it's structure. And I think that's the that's the key word, actually, structure. I think in all of our lives, we need structure. You know, at the moment, if you want to sort of get up a bit later or you want, you know, you can sort of you know, you can cut corners a bit, you know, you've got to say, right, if I want to run this morning, I've, I've got to get up before the homeschooling or I've got to, so, so it, it, you know, that lesson of structure and discipline, you know, it's about yourself and we all have days where we don't really want to do something. But I think what boxing does is if you don't turn up at the gym, you know, you might not get let back in or you might not be able to spar with, you know, the young up and coming fighter or, you know, you're, you're going to, or you're going to be laughed at by the others. Look at Johnny when he went to, to Brendan's gym in Winkerbank, you know, all shapes and sizes, all backgrounds. They all went in there. As soon as they went for that gym door, no one was a star. Everybody was in the same boat. Everybody was singing nursery rhymes and embarrassing themselves in front of everybody doing flips in the ring, falling over, you know, it's, and I think that builds you inside. I think it's a fantastic thing. It's something that, you know, I didn't go through anything like this. You know, I came from a completely different path. And I look at fighters and I, I'm so proud of them, the way that they've come through situations because they've, they've had that bond together and they've had those goals. And it may be a goal just to have an amateur fight or it might be a goal to become an English champion or a British champion. It doesn't really matter. But they, the trainers are there to set those goals. And there's so many trainers around. And they're not just amazing boxing trainers. They're amazing trainers in life. And I tell you what, even if it doesn't work for you, there's an injury, there's a problem, you've got to retire, you can't keep up with it, you move areas, that's installed in you. And I think that they work so hard at sort of becoming almost life mentors, which is really needed at the moment. And yeah, it's fantastic. And it's great watching, you know, the story. Savannah Marshall, the only girl that went into her, her gym in Hartlepool and it was all boys and they didn't have a changing area for her. And look at what she's achieved because she's wanted it, you know, more than anything. She's dedicated herself. And I'm telling you, there have been real ups and downs. She was meant to get gold in London 2012. She froze. We had to rebuild her confidence, all of that. You know, but winning a world title last year was one of the best performances we saw in a British ring in 2020 just so satisfying when you know what somebody has been through you know it's fantastic and and i think that's what boxing gives it's it's it honestly it's a it's a sport like no other in terms of dedication discipline and and structure but and, and it's amazing that even the ones that sort of don't really you think oh there's no way he's going to stick at it or she's going to stick at it they're going to be back out on the streets they're the ones that surprise you and suddenly three years down the line shannon courtney's lost five six stone and she's 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 fighting for tight. It's just it's it's brilliant, and that's the great thing. But I take with that, Natalie. I've had I've had a lot of hard nights as well. You know, we've we've lost we've lost fighters over the years. Um, every injury, obviously, every death affects us hugely. Um, it is the risk. It is a risky sport. It's a dangerous sport, and it is a choice. Um, you know, James Murray's death back in 1995, a year after I joined Sky, was horrendous for me. I'd spent three days with James before his tragic 
British title fight against Drew Doherty and he was with his fiance and they were getting a new flat and and it was horrendous and, and I don't I didn't know I could carry on then having been through that but I went to to visit James's mum shortly afterwards a few weeks later and I went to do an interview and and I sat in her house and there's this big sort of almost haunting picture of James up on the wall and I said to her I said how can you how can you watch boxing how can you condone it after what happened to your son and she looked me in the eyes and she said boxing saved my son boxing saved my son from the streets and the estates of Glasgow he would have died with a needle in his arm if it hadn't been for boxing he said I couldn't be she said I could not be prouder and we went to his grave honestly I take that with me every bad day I have in this sport because if a mother can say that then there is some good that this sport does. Wow. Give me goosebumps. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, I, I, I chatted to Anthony Gogo on this podcast and I didn't realise just how rough a ride he's had through the years. And, you know, there's a sense of injustice when I think about, you know, the fact that he wasn't able to fully realise his dreams and that, you know, he admitted a sense of bitterness. Um, and yet... <laughs> Much like Spencer, he said, I'd do it all again in a heartbeat. There was nothing like boxing that captured my heart, my soul, my all my being like boxing. And um, it's incredible, actually. I think it's there's something about it sort of stripping you back. And it's just, you know, girl versus oh, well, girl. Ultimately, it's, it's, it's gladiatorial, isn't it? And yeah. it's, I think what fascinated me probably back in the Hagler-Hearns-Duran-Leonard era was there was a winner and there was a loser. Yeah. And you wanted to try and get get the winner, but if the winner lost, you were devastated for that. Or you know, if your man or, or whatever lost, you were devastated. And I think it's that it's the thrill, and you know, there's nothing like the, the heavyweight championship of the world. We know that, and you know, we've been through ups and downs at Sky. You know, at, at times we've had great fights, and we've worked with all the promoters, and then we came to a point where we were just literally trying to fill up leisure centres, and the sport had sort of lost its sparkle, and. Then Eddie came along and, you know, we'd had Ricky Hatton, who was amazing and just fantastic and probably the best I've ever worked with in terms of accessibility. You know, he'd chuck, he'd, he'd chuck his keys to his house to you, you know, and say, I'm just popping out. He said, make yourself a brew. I'll be back soon. You know, he was unbelievable. And I think, and we've worked with all the sort of greats, the Oscar De La Hoyas, you know, the Mike Tysons, the Lennox Lewis's over the years, Joe Calzaghi's, Carl Froch's, David Hayes, Amir Khan's, all sorts of, of different fighters. Um, but I think that, what we had was that we we brought the the sport back to you know the arenas and then obviously to the stadiums and, and Eddie and Matram and Sky's you know partnership and you know we made it sexy again you know I, when I when I took over as head of boxing I was about a decade ago and, and I remember thinking you know it's a still a pretty tradey sport it can be big at times it's still pretty tradey so I sort of got my contacts book out and I, you know, having sort of loved all other sports and, you know, I found out that Andy Murray was a big boxing fan and Phil Taylor and Stuart Broad and uh, Wayne Rooney and Stephen Gerrard and all these sort of, sort of people in, in other sports. And, and I thought um, Rory McIlroy, another one, massive boxing fan. And, and I sort of thought I'll, I'll reach out to, to everybody and, and try and sort of get them to talk more about boxing. And so we tried to get it, you know, to be cool again so that, that, you know, people would come out to, to the arenas and sort of have a fun night and, you know, have the music and have a, you know, we saw what the dart, what happened with the darts. They turned it from a, you know, 500 people, not even that, 
200 people in a in a smoky pub to you know to thousands of people at the, at the up at the palace and everyone having a great time and if it looks like everyone's having a great time and it's it's, it's flying through the tv you want to be there so yeah. that's what we tried to do with with boxing and i think that it is a sport that is honestly working in it it's 24 7 i mean that's why aj's team's 258 25-8 i mean it, it's 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 just all-encompassing. You know, I speak to Eddie every single day. If we don't message each other, it just feels like something's wrong. Um, and even if there's not a lot going on, there will be something happening within the next half an hour. You know, it, it's, it keeps you on your toes. It can be the, the hardest sport to work on, but also the most rewarding because, you know, there are these dreams, there are these fighters. And, you know, the likes of Anthony Agogo, really good talent, you know, bronze in the Olympics and had the looks and everything, had everything going for him. Him. but unfortunately professional boxing can be difficult it can be full of pit, pitfalls there are injuries you know fighters maybe are not quite as good as they were as an amateur as a pro or they don't get quite get the luck or they you know they don't know it just doesn't work for them and, mm-hmm. and I think that you know th- there are these stories um and you've sort of got to almost take what you can out of the sport and and then hopefully I'm very passionate about when when it's over, what happens, you know, that sort of, and with every sportsman and women, you know, most finish in their, in their thirties, some have to finish in their teens, you know, with injuries, some in their twenties, but you're pretty much done by, you know, top level sport by the time you're 40, you've got your whole life ahead of you. And I think if you haven't, it's not just achieved that money or, or the dreams. If you, if you haven't, if you haven't sort of come out of it happy and almost like proud of what you've gone through, then, then, then there could be trouble ahead because that's when the structure and that's when you, you're trying to find that sort of, you know, the, the thrill again. And, and so many stories of, of fighters who, you know, they've, they've, the people around them have gone and, they, and they, they get lost and they don't have that, the camaraderie of the gym. They don't have that, um, that goal. They don't have the lights on them. They don't have that buzz. And I think that's a really tough area. And that's something that we've got to be really, you know, we, we've got, we owe it, you know, our fighters are the ones that get out there and they risk their lives, you know, for ultimately for our entertainment or for our fans entertainment. And we need to make sure that not just in boxing, but in all sports that, you know, and I look at agents and I look at managers and people around them and it's like, yes, everybody's in this for business, obviously, but I think it's really important to take, you know, sportsmen and women through into, into their sort of later life as well. I think it's really, I look at the scholars and, you know, hopefully, you know, even if they're not going to become a top, top, top at their game or win a gold medal or become, you know, Wimbledon champion, you know, they're going to have learned something through the scholarships uh, system at Sky, where they've got the experience and the maturity to be able to you know, utilize those skills in other areas. So it's great when you hear stories of sort of, you know, former sportsmen and women who look really happy. Darren Barker is a great example. Darren didn't make you know, life changing money. He did well. He became a world champion. He got a good defense. He, he, you know, he got paid okay, and that's fine. But he didn't make, you know, multi millions. He didn't make life changing money. So he knew he had to keep going. So, you know, he's, he's open gyms. He does work for Matchroom. And, you know, whenever you see him or Spencer, they've got a smile on their face. They've got, you know, that, that sort of spirit. And for, for both of them, okay, Darren was a world champion, but he, as I said, he didn't make the money that Nassim Hammond or Lennox Lewis or Ricky made. And, and for Spencer, he never even achieved his dreams. But I guess it, 21, 22, he knew he wanted to stay in boxing and he just became a great pundit and a great person in the sport. And I think it does come down to your desire and your passion, but that structure is really important. So, 
you know, boxing is 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 a fantastic sport, but I think we also need to, you know, need to look after them. They're, you know, you, you've got to have a screw missing to get in that ring in the first place. You've got to have something slightly crazy about you, and you just want to make sure that 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 craziness is just structured. And uh, you know, we we we're there to support as well. And it's very hard when you you're working in business and you you know moving on to the next and all that. But I think it's it's really it's 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 that's a really important side of it. That life mm-hmm. after. Very, very important point. The world continues to evolve and the new norm isn't fully clear yet. But what does remain constant is the core message from our friends at Bose. Stay calm, stay centred and stay connected. Communication is key in everything we do and goes a long way to nurturing both ourselves and our relationships with others. So continue to talk about what matters to you. And don't be afraid to block out unhelpful noise or indeed to embrace silence because doing both can be great. Some of the ways we work will have changed forever. Embrace that. Make those new ways work for you. Shape the new norm to suit you. Feel more, do more, be more with Bose. Um, tell us a bit more about the mechanics of the partnership with Matchroom and Sky, because as you say, that was very much a big part of of why boxing has come mainstream. Why, as you say, it's, it is cool, you know, and you see white collar boxing charity matches popping up everywhere because people are catching this bug. Um, and a lot of it does seem to come down to that. Why does that work so well? Why does it work well for Sky, for Matchroom and most importantly, the fans? I think that, um, look, we've, I've been lucky enough to work with pretty much all the promoters um, that we've had over the last, you know, 25, 30 years. You know, I've worked with Don King, with Bob Aram, with Frank Warren for many years, with Frank Maloney and Al Kelly, with Ricky Hatton, with Mick Hennessy, with uh, Matram, obviously, for, for the whole time. So, you know, there's, there's huge amounts, PBC in the States, Top Round, there's, there's, there's loads of, of, of you know, great promotional outfits out there. Um, but I think that with us, I think we, you know, Matchroom and Sky have something special. You know, we go way back. You know, when I first started, the first show I did was a Matchroom show. It was uh, a, a young fighter at that, at that time called Francis Ampofo. He's in with Darren Fifield. I think it was the British flyweight title at York Hall. And, you know, Francis was one of Matchroom's sort of favourite fighters. And at the time they had a, a few big names. They had the likes of Eamon Lochran and Herbie Hyde and one or two others. Um, and, you know, we worked there on, on the sort of, you know, we worked on the Eubank World Tour as well. And that was, you know, senior Eubank. Um, but I think there was a special bond with Matchroom. And then we did the Fishermania and we were all sort of thrown into that. And then they had this contract to do the the, the other sports, the darts, the ping pong, the, the snooker, all these sort of, you know, sports that they did that they shone and they, they made into, you know, to really attractive um, TV and entertainment sports. And they deserve a lot of credit. But I think it was at a time when Sky probably had the best people from BBC, ITV, et cetera, joining Sky. You know, we were the enemy in those days. Let's not forget, we took the Premier League away. You know, we we had, you know, we were we were, we were the enemy. I mean, terrestrial, where's it all gone? BBC, ITV, you know, the papers weren't writing about it. In a, in a way, it was, boxing became a, a bit of a niche sport for, for a long time. But I think we learned a great deal working with uh, with all those different promoters. But there was something about Matchroom and about that, that sort of loyalty. And I think the fact that, you know, that we were, we were in bed in many ways, not just just in boxing. And um, I'd always heard Eddie was a fight fan. 
And I think we came to a point where Frank Warren wanted to sort of start his own boxing channel. So he went off to Box Nation and uh, we, you know, Barney Francis was a huge boxing fan, uh, our former MD. And, and and he just, he thought, you know, look, we've got to, we've probably got to get with one, one promoter now and, and sort of, you know, really just, we were up and down the country, you know, production costs were huge, halls were pretty empty, fights weren't great. Yes, there were a few big shows, of course, that the promoters put on, but there was a lot of sort of, you know, generic stuff on a Friday night. It just wasn't, it wasn't capturing the imagination like boxing could. And I think it just got us all together. And I think we we tried something different to sort of have less shows, stop filling arenas, as I said, you know, sort of broadening it out, trying to get the sort of casual fans in and making it fun again, boxing. Boxing's not a sport you laugh about. It's a very hard sport, but, you know, there's there's a, there's a ring walks, there's entertainment. We'd see what Chris Eubank, what Nassim Hammond had done, you know, the the, the entries that, you know, they, and, and the ones like Mike Tyson just, just walked in, ripped off the stuff and, you know, he was the, the fighting man. So you have all these different characters. And as I said, I think it is all about narrative and things just fell for us. London 2012 was huge. Katie Taylor, Nicola Adams, Anthony Joshua, Anthony Agogo, you know, all coming through Luke Campbell winning gold. That sort of inspired us again. Then, hey, Frotch and Groves, we've got this mouth-watering sort of rivalry with these two guys who really hated each other, a bit like the sort of old days with Ben and Eubank. And, you know, they were drawing thousands and, you know, into a, into stadiums at Old Trafford and then millions on, on ITV. And, and we had a chance then with a story here to, to grow it. And then they had this first terrific fight controversial in Manchester bomb let's go again let's do a you know let's do a rematch let's have this rivalry and you know Barry's like let's go to Wembley and I'm like what Wembley Stadium are you mad I mean it's like we'll get 20,000 in max 30,000 and you know what when you've got a story and you've got great promoters and Eddie like Barry you know the ultimate promoter you know he's polished all these sports he's brought it up Eddie, you know, chip off the old block and he's different. He's different. He's not that sort of, you know, the financial accountancy mind that Barry had, you know, Barry will be careful, very careful. Eddie will just roll that dice a bit more and Barry's got to keep him under wraps sometimes. But Eddie had that drive and that passion and that want to succeed. You know, a lot of people look at him and say the fast car that, you know, the silver spoon, all that. Do you know what? He can't help where he came from, right? He's the son of Barry Hearn. But I tell you what, Eddie Hearn works harder than anybody. He works night and day. He loves it. And he's dedicated to it. And he's passionate about it. And and that is what drew me to him and Barney to him. And we then became a partnership. And instead of a sort of promoter saying, right, this is what's happening, or we're saying we want this, it became a conversation. It became a, a relationship. It became a friendship. And yeah, of course, there's times when I say to Eddie, look, I don't agree with you. I think we should do that. We need to do that. There's times that he says, Adam, look, come on, you know, we, we've got to do that. We haven't got the money. You don't pay us. And, you know, there's all of those conversations. But what it has been is a relationship, a partnership. And it's not just those big nights at Wembley Stadium with AJ and Klitschko or, or the, the huge stars. It's also, you know, the, the the little matches we make, you know, the undercards of fight camp, the innovation of that, the working together. And I think actually through these difficult times and the boxing bubbles that we've had at the back end of, of last year and, and the and the, the matchroom garden, you know, we've come up with with new ideas and, and we're pushing boundaries again. And it's 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 hard, but we're trying to find a way. And what I love about Eddie and Matchroom and Frank Smith and all those guys they're they're like our lot they're like the sky lot they they want to do it they're passionate they're really good and they're team players and um i think it's a it's a great knit and i you know long may it continue because uh 
you know, there's not a day, I mean, my wife will say, you know, God, he's on the phone to Eddie again, bloody Eddie. You know, it, honestly, probably I do speak to him more. I mean, it's, you know, it's, but we, but we, um, but we have that. And I think it's really special. And of course, while, you know, I'm very much a Sky man and he's very much a matchroom man, I think it's really important that when, we needed each other. We were there for each other and we've grown together. So I think it's been one of the, the great partnerships in, in sports broadcasting. Yeah, absolutely. And anyone listening to this who hasn't listened to my podcast with Eddie should do because he's such, much like you, a great talker and he and he brings the sport alive for anyone who's not a convert already. Um, tell us um, about the fight that we all want to see. AJ Tyson Fury, is it going to happen? Can you 100 100- say obviously covid restrictions uh bearing those in mind is it going to happen 2021 i learned a long time probably not to say 100 anything's going to happen in, in boxing. Um, but i will tell you that i'm pretty confident this fight will happen in 2021 um obviously anthony joshua has always wanted to become the undisputed champion he was derailed when he lost to andy ruiz he went straight back into a rematch his resume is phenomenal, you know, from, from becoming Olympic gold medalist with such a short amateur career to winning a world title. And after the sort of pretty facile um, fight with Charles Martin, you know, he, he lined them all up. They're unbeaten. Dominic Brazil, Joseph Parker, fight, fights like that. Obviously, the Klitschko one. You know, he's Andy Ruiz straight into a rematch. You know, he's, he ducks nobody and he's always wanted to fight Tyson Fury. I've been sure about that. Um, Tyson Fury, um, obviously we've worked closely together in, in the past. We, we, we covered the Klitschko win, but then he's, he's been on BT a lot, but I reached out to him, you know, during lockdown, we've, you know, we've been communicating a lot more and, uh, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that, that he wants it. I'm convinced that AJ wants it. And when two fighters really want something to happen and they know the money that's involved, obviously, but they want to find out, you know, who is the best fighter, the best heavyweight on the planet. They've both got their, obviously their own opinion on that but um it's a fight that i think will happen um there are hurdles as always with boxing there's there's a lot of politics or politics as lennox lewis used to call it to get through uh and those and those have got to be dealt with alexander usik is the wbo mandatory challenger usik is entitled to fight uh, anthony joshua so that situation's got to be looked at uh also deontay wilder his team shelly finkel good friend of mine wise old fox he's you know, he's obviously will want that fight with Fury and there's litigation going on there, which I don't know too much about. So, you know, ultimately, uh, I'm not sure whether it will be for all the belts or whatever, but and I'm not sure whether it will be next because, you know, they, they could have to fight Usyk and Wilder in the meantime. But I think from what I've been talking to, to AJ's team, to, to, to obviously AJ himself, to Tyson, and and I think obviously Eddie regularly, I, I'm and they want to keep it sort of fairly quiet and fairly close now, but it's pretty much there. It's pretty much agreed a two fight deal. So there are a few, you know, I's to be dotted and T's to be crossed as ever with these things. Um, there's no venue. Obviously they've had a, a lot of interest from all around the world. I think it's probably a fight that will end up in the middle East, you know, I guess um, probably, probably May, June. Um, it would be great if it was at Wembley or, or Tottenham. You know, we looked around Tottenham. We were going to have the Pula fight at Spurs, which is an incredible stadium. And you know, Daniel Levy, we were, we were, you know, talked to, I mean, we were there, we were there last summer and it didn't happen. So I'd love to go back to, to some, although I'm a massive Liverpool fan, and I want to take boxing to Anfield and trust me I'm trying with Billy Hogan and the team trying to get boxing at Anfield but we just need the, the right fight maybe all the Smith brothers can, can fight there one day I've got to retain the, uh, the, the premiership title first anyway so um, we, we want to go to Anfield but we want to go to Spurs it's, it's, a, it's a great stadium and obviously Wembley is the, the iconic national stadium so you know 
one of those the fights the fight could happen in but unfortunately we're not going to get crowds of that magnitude i don't think in time for may or june so that really rules out britain as the first choice it's going to be a two-fight deal so i think that we'll probably go abroad first of all and then you know have maybe the second fight in in the uk that'll be great um so i can't say 100 it's going to happen but i know that talks are going well um i expect some news in the next two or three weeks and um there's lots of other things broadcasting deals you know tyson fury with bt sky obviously have aj you know espn to zone in america there's lots of things that have to be knitted together you know it took five years to make may with a pacquiao and hbo and showtime just broadcast it was we all know five years too late, they should have had three of them by then. This is the time to make Joshua and Fury. Both of them are around about their peaks. You know, both of them are world heavyweight champions. We hope that all the treasure, all the belts are on the line. But even if they're not, does anyone really matter? We need to see these two in a ring. It's the perfect time. Boxing's in a great space. The world needs it. Um, it's going to happen. I'm telling you it's going to happen in 2021. I can't give you a date, a time or a venue. I'm not 100%, but I'm probably in the 90s that this fight will happen this year. So I think that's great news. And uh, we'll find out, you know, whether Tyson Fury is the uh, is the man he, he says he is. He's obviously an amazingly talented, brilliant boxer on, on his peak. We'll probably start favourite. But Anthony Joshua, I'll tell you what, the way he mixed it up against Pulev, you know, the way he's, he's, he's learning his skills, he's, he's improving on that. He's got the power to knock out any heavyweight in the world. There'll be a lot of people backing AJ in that fight. And if they have two of them, we could even have a third one. And to be honest, what does it really matter? One loses, the other loses. Remember Bo Holyfield? You know, you go back to Ali and Frazier and those great heavyweight battles. Let's have two, three of them. Let's entertain the public. This fight needs to be made. And I tell you what, I'm going to get off this podcast. I'm going to text AJ and Tyson Fury and say, come on, guys, let's do it. Oh, I love it. You're firing me up. This is brilliant. So, I mean, they're two very different propositions, two different, very different boxers. Fury just seems so awkward. He doesn't, you know, age is obviously the poster boy and looks incredible, this British hero. But Fury is such a different, you know, to your earlier point, much earlier point. I feel that Fury's popularity just soared when people knew a bit more about his backstory and who he was as a person. Because all we saw before that were the sensationalist headlines, um, you know, about his... Um, clunky unfortunate unpc unkind yeah. comments but actually there was there's a real kindness to him uh, i absolutely love the behind the scenes with the fury family you couldn't help but love them um yeah. and, so and it, i think Natalie, it's it's yeah. it's, mental, it's the mental health i think it's all yeah. about i think it's the fact that he strips himself bare and look at me you know i'm i'm i'm, I'm every day is going to be a challenge um yeah. i think that's terrific i think he has this persona, which is 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 attractive, and he's the bad guy, and you know it's pantomime stuff. I mean, do you remember with with the Klitschko and the Batman yeah. outfit? Was just it was just yeah, he's just genius in it, and and also he gets in the ring, and he is you know a great great fighter. I thought his I went, over, I went over to Vegas for the I went over to Vegas for the Wilder uh, rematch, and you know I. I I didn't know he was going to win, and you know, I thought Wilder could knock him out. I thought mm. Fury won the first fight, but I thought if he won, he'd win on points. He destroyed him. And I thought that was one of the great performances by any British fighter um, on foreign soil. You know, Anthony Joshua won that epic against Vladimir Klitschko. That epic. So they both, and Fury's been out and beating Klitschko when he wasn't supposed to in Germany as well. So they both proved so much. And as you say, it's the it's the poster boy. It's 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 the man that every, you know, every woman in Britain wants to meet. I mean, let's be honest, you know, well, it's my 
14 year old daughter that's like looking at you know upper aj or it's my mum you know it doesn't matter yeah. everyone loves aj right and so he's got that he's got the sort of the casual almost the casual sort of almost like non-sports fans in a way whereas tyson has got the boxing hardcore because they love the fact that he's the sort of you know the the the, the character that he is that he's the pure you know boxer that he's gone through all of this and as you said the story has been great i think when you've got a narrative and you've got two such polar opposites in style and in personality i mean it's gold isn't it yeah. i just cannot wait to start working on this fight and i just really hope fingers crossed that they get this over the line soon oh so do i i tell you what i'm i i'm gonna go and do some pad work right now <laughs> i finished by telling you that my five-year-old came back very frustrated the other day that he wasn't at school and uh wants to see his mates want to run around like a little nutter and he put his little boxing gloves on and my husband did some pad work with him and he just released. And I feel in a way, just having this conversation that, that I've released, I've so enjoyed your passion. It's palpable. And I feel that um, I'm feel excited to attack my day now, having spoken to you. So thank you so much. No problem, Natalie. We've got lots of good boxing to come, um, probably kicking off in mid-February. So it's going to be a fantastic year. Really excited about, you know, obviously AJ Fury, but but all, all the others as well. Women's boxing booming. Katie Taylor back soon. It's, it's going to be fantastic, I think, 2020. We just have to, you know, keep everybody, you know, patient and healthy yeah. and safe. And uh, we just get on with what we can during these tough, tough few weeks ahead. And, and hopefully with the vaccines and, you know, everything will look um, look a lot brighter by um, the back end of 2021. But um, if we can get some of these fights on and get some crowds there, that will be terrific entertainment. And it'd be great for the fighters who've been so patient and, and have done so brilliantly, you know, keeping themselves together during such a difficult time. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Everybody needs it more than ever right now. And you have been such a pleasure to talk to, as I knew you would. Thank you so much, Adam. Thank you so much, Adam, for your time. You are an incredibly busy man, so I appreciate you taking an hour or so out of your schedule to talk to me and hopefully inspire future generations of budding commentators and broadcasters. Loads more great guests on the way here on In The Pink, supported by Bose, including one Eddie Izzard. That is coming up next week, and I know you are going to love hearing from Eddie as she embarks on a quite incredible challenge of 31 marathons in 31 days, including 31 stand-up shows. That is what she's doing right now. And uh, we can join her as she takes on that mission to raise loads of money and uh, make humanity great again, which is the strapline for the campaign. So make sure you join us next week for that. Make sure you tag in friends here on Instagram and tell us who else you want to hear from on In The Pink. Add the hashtag Bose and some goodies could be on the way to you very soon. Thanks for your company. Hugely appreciated as ever. And uh, stay strong. I know it's uncertain times, but we've got each other's backs. We are here for one another and we are certainly stronger together. So thank you, Adam. And thank you all for your company here on In The Pink.
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.